0: I can't think of anything more anxiety-inducing than the concept of a 21st century parade. It's chock-full of slow drivers, folks are parking their asses wherever they goddamn please, and people are meandering in the middle of the road without a care in the world. So, basically, it's like Federal Hall on a Friday. trailblaze welcome everyone to another episode of anchored a roadie themed podcast style low sodium option for the ocean state sea salties opinions we're your host shay and elise and today we're talking
1: about rhode island
0: parades but before we begin we want to remind everybody to follow us on our social media accounts um they're all at anchor the show and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it like right now like i'm sure there's a button um but with that said elise uh what rhode island parades are we going to be ragging on today?
1: Well, we're going to start out with the history parades. Then we're going to talk about two roadie style 4th of July parades, the Bristol 4th of July parade, also known as Independence Day parade and the Ancient and Horribles parades. Um, That's one parade, Ancient and Horribles. (laughs) Um, But don't worry, we already cut out Nola Bread Ezra's mic so you don't have to hear him drone on about real parades and real floats like he's jolly old St. Nicholas coming down Fifth Avenue on Turkey Day. He's from New Orleans if that wasn't clear yeah foregone conclusion that he does know better parades yeah but we won't even talk to him
0: <laughs> but before before we uh begin at least let's fill the listeners in on our views of parades our pre-established opinions on them so listeners can get a better idea of where we're coming from with everything um so please describe to me and to our listeners your relationship with parades and if you'd bring a parade home to your parents
1: <laughs> i love being in a parade first of all i love being the center of attention so throw me back on, on the back of a convertible car and let me wave sw- slowly a minute i do it when i'm in gondola rides and like the <laughs> providence river boat tours i just wave at everybody you do in
0: 95 traffic
1: oh 100 i love it it's my favorite thing i feel like they just see me i have main character energy here um I don't necessarily like watching a parade, although I do have a dream bucket list item to watch the uh, Macy's Day Parade or Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, hopefully with my friend Sue, because her birthdays is around Thanksgiving. And so it's a big like family to do that we would like to do. Um, but this year would be her s- birthday and we can't to do it this year because of COVID. Um, I did march in numerous parades as a child growing up in southeast Missouri. Why you ask Shay is because I chose band over choir because they got out of school more. And so this is a <laughs> long con. Yeah, this is a long con for me to just get out of school. Like I was like I lo- I honest to God looked at the calendars like of their travel dates and I was like nope. It's going to be the clarinet for <sighs> me, my friends. I was just about to guess. I was going to say you are a clarinet. Woodwind. I can also play saxophone and a little bit of drum, but oh, like which not saxophone. Rough, rough um alto yeah. like a regular person like intro all the tenor sax players are like oh, okay <laughs> intro to sax i was also uh held the sign at the front of the parade for my marching band um because i told them that i couldn't i was asthmatic and couldn't <laughs> march and play clarinet <laughs> at the same time even though i was like second or third chair um and then i tried out for flag court numerous times but mr cooper wouldn't let me in and i still think that that was because he didn't want to see me shine I'm I'm sure your flag twirling skills were top-notch. Yeah, you just see me with a broom in my kitchen. (laughs) And you, Shay, what is your relationship to parades? I have been in
0: one parade in my life. It was my hometown's 4th of July parade. And what it taught me was that finding parking for a parade is really no different than getting a government job. Um, There's very few spots in the government for people that don't know somebody who is already there. It is possible to get in. But it's like hitting the lottery when you do, at least. With that said, where the hell do parades come from and who whomst invented them?
1: Yo, you're not going to believe this. Cavemen. Cavemen. Yep, you heard it. Fire, wheels, car insurance and fucking parades. You heard it
0: here. <laughs> you
1: heard it here first, my friends. Um, I want to say full disclosure. I definitely thought this started out with Jesus or like at least like his era, if you will. So before and she during was, Christ,
0: she was trying to get into the
1: today because she was wearing Birkenstocks yeah. and
0: they look like Jesus sandals
1: but like also I we'll get back into dates because BC and AC don't work for like the time in which he was but nonetheless so like I thought it was part of like the broader public shaming and punishment act of like having to carry your cross up to the top of the hill and things like that and people watch that I really thought it originated there but it didn't um so ultimately it's understood and we know this because of cave paintings okay so we have Cave paintings dating back as early as like 3000 B.C. where cavemen would walk back to the village with animals that they had killed during their hunt on their backs or hanging from poles and things like that. So everybody could see what great hunters they were. And so they would literally parade around the area like their little community showboating. Look what I caught showboating straight up. um, And they they created this very definition of the parade. And so they were seeking praise and recognition from their families and fellow cave people. Also, that's just a term that I would, <laughs> these are my cave people um, for their expertise and things like that. So people could actually show it off. What makes complete and utter sense in this is that parade actually comes from to English from French to refer to as a pompous show which is very French, in my opinion. So it's a pompous show rather than a public procession. So many parades have emerged since the cave people. um, But there were religious processions, like I had said before, and there were other military um, types of parades as well, like troops were paraded in front of people to show off the men before leaving to battle, to practice maneuvers, to exhibit prisoners and booty after a successful campaign, etc. Again, straight up caveman shit. Look at what I got. Look at it. Aren't you jealous? Don't touch it. I'm going to keep walking. ha ah. do you want some candy? <laughs> but there's also like, as you know, that there's parades and athletic ses- uh, settings as well. Um, Everything from, you know, like me walking on the other side of track for my gym teacher. If you flail your arms fast enough, that looks like you're running. It's like, great image. Yeah. I want everybody to picture at least doing that right now. I always did that in gym. It looks as amazing as you you're guessing it to be. But like opening ceremony for the, the World Olympics, things like that. Like each country's athletes are dressed in the same colors of their country, blah, blah, blah. And they march into the arena together. That is in fact a parade, just like the Hunger Games. Speaking of Hunger Games. Oh, oh shit. So oh. maybe Ezra's mic is still hot and he brought up a really good point that perhaps Perchance. because of this pompous show being hella French um America or not at yeah it was America at that point but again I don't think you is can ever own really land America? yeah <laughs> can you can you really own land um borders are a social construct um but we bought it from the French and so that's why maybe why New Orleans is so good at parades and floats and such and walking down not just walking down a street Dancing down the street. Enthusiastically,
0: Enthusiastically dancing. Enthusiastically with instruments, yeah. I might add. Even for their dead. They did they do not have asthma and they can play their instruments as <laughs> yeah, they walk down yeah. the street.
1: I had asthma. I could have played my clarinet. I just chose not to. <laughs> and I got to be the front of the the front of our like band. And so it was even perfect. more of the center of attention. Always. I see I see your play. Yeah, it's a long con. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I'm waiting to get you out of this podcast. It's just gonna be me and Ezra. <laughs> Eventually not Ezra, and you're just doing it all. No, I don't like technology. <laughs> What's your job again? doesn't matter.
0: So that is the history of parade. That is the entire history of parades. Yep, summed up. From the first first parade ever. From cave people to today. To today. To all of the good stuff. I am still laughing in my head about the idea of you flailing your arms just to get an A in PE class. <laughs> it was pass-fail. <laughs>
1: Of course. it's touch and go a lot of times not gonna lie <laughs> so tell me about the bristol fourth of july parade my friend
0: so okay so let's harken back love that word let's harken back to 1785 in dog years or cat years or something um our country is still a puppy and still got some big paws big big head we still have the big head we still have that big uh ego head which it's not proportionate to who we actually are and never will be. So 1785, we're in Bristol and we happen to see Pat Conley, historian Lorette of Rhode Island. Uh, yeah, he's probably there. And I am solidly convinced he is there because the only reason that he continues to be qualified for his position as historian of Rhode Island is because he has seen all of the history of Rhode Island firsthand with his own eyes.
1: And you can go as far
0: back as you want. Pat you're, Conley's right there.
1: You're just calling him really old and not a time traveler. He's just really old. Okay. Heard. Heard. Not Heard that it. we're ageist here at Anchor. We're not ageist. So next to Pat Conley, there was
0: this dude named Reverend Henry Wright. He worked, he preached, probably did some shifty shit out of the First Congregational Church in Bristol. He was also a Revolutionary War veteran, which I guess is what qualified him to maybe conduct the very first ever patriotic exercise through Bristol. Maybe they were just like, Hey Henry, you seem like the right guy. Oh God.
1: Do it. That was a pun. It was a horrible pun.
0: Like I said, 1785 Bristol, Rhode Island, there is no red, white and blue paint stripe through the middle of town quite yet. Um, it's been about a hundred years since the town was incorporated on the Mount Hope lands that belong to the, uh, Pocanocket, Wampanoag, and so a hundred years after this, it's incorporated. It's supposed to feel like a little established. Like somebody probably has a mailbox that looks identical to their house.
1: No, oh, that feels
0: like a Bristol thing. It's very Bristol it's, thing. It's a very Bristol thing. So, like Rhode Islanders today who live in the southern part of the state, Providence was too goddamn far for the British and the Hessian troops to haul buns, haul buns, all the way up. So instead of going to Providence, they marched. Their little torches uh, into Newport and Bristol and 500 strong torched the place. So that really makes me think in my head that what happened when Reverend Henry Wright was walking along this first patriotic exercise. Um, he probably had two middle fingers high up in the air, as high as they go. <laughs> and right, exactly. And verbatim, he probably said, kiss my patriotic ass, you motherfuckers. And <laughs> sin. It's in a book somewhere. So who was there? In addition to Pat Conley and Reverend Henry Wright, a lot of people probably in their Dick Sporting Goods soccer mom chair crushing some gansets, the original loggers. Um, and I imagine that they're wearing their 1785 version of the Fourth of July old navy shirt. Who are who's doing this? Um, and I know this will shock most of you, um, or probably more so Nick Mattiello. Uh, but the people here are some big players in the North American slave trade. So I'm looking at. All of you, DeWolf family, your name, your last name is way cooler than you guys actually are. Not like for sure, sure that James DeWolf was there because he put his Instagram on private. Um, But there's a good chance that he was at that at that parade. He was 21 at the time. So I guess I guess there's a good chance he was also hungover on his dad's yacht. But for those who don't know, this guy made a lot of his money, so much money. In fact, when he died, he was the second richest person in the entire country. Uh, he made a lot of his money because he skirted laws and he sold human beings uh. with the North American slave trade um, In the ne- into the next century, so the 1800s. The parade that we know today is technically called the Military, Civic, and Fireman's Parade. Um, it began, it grew larger and larger. And when I was first reading about it, the image I had in my mind was kind of like in the Muppets movie when Jason Segel and Walter the Muppet are singing at the very beginning and they're walking through town and the entire community just comes up behind them, knows the exact lyrics to the song they're singing.
1: You mean a flash mob? You're describing a flash mob. I like the imagery. Yeah, beautiful. I prefer the Muppets.
0: Okay, that's perfectly fine. (laughs) So pretend it's a Muppets movie, or I guess a flash mob. Uh, But replace the Muppets with people who perpetuated the slave trade. Um, Oh, so not a... not, Not the Muppets. And I would prefer if we made them uglier. So this parade is the longest continuously running Fourth of July parade in the entire country. And how did it last so long? Elise, do you have a a guess as to why it lasted since 1785?
1: I mean, you're it's Bristol. There's only one way in and one way out. So the only other thing to do there is drink. So like, just commit to this parade.
0: That's their thing. That's their entire personality their thing bristles thing was their patriotism to show it outwardly and over overtly which is fun and it's cool to have a label like the most patriotic town in america that you can put on one of those glasses in the ray dunn style font cool whatever uh but it's also like a little bit a lot of it problematic because it you know fastens a prescription strength pair of those rose-colored glasses. Onto a town that was not only the place where that 4th of July little thing happened, but it was also the center of the enslaved people's trade in North America um, at one point in time. It being the leading slave port in the state and country from 1790 to the end of the slave trade. So that's the entirety of North America right there in Bristol. But instead of talking about that, we're just going to talk about how this one Reverend Henry Wright got a bunch of people to walk down a street in 1785. Bristol has marketed the shit out of some guy throwing on his new balances and getting some guys to follow him. It's impressive how much they've suppressed it, because while they're really getting this whole thing started in the first few decades is also when right down the road, they could see the slave trade in action right there. You know, you got your people up the hill crushing their Gansets down the hill doing something else. It kind of like. Itches just me in the wrong way that they still today don't acknowledge it at all with this parade that is so apparently well known throughout the country. And I guess some people throughout the world come to see it, but there's so much deeper history that is just ignored. And since I, I believe it was 2000 when Brown University um, had a report, had a study done on the real involvement with Rhode Island in the slave trade. And um, so the the John Brown Museum in Rhode Island, or we are all in Rhode Island right now, um, in Providence, rather, on Benefit Street, does an okay job at addressing it. They gave like two small rooms dedicated to the slave trade. Um, John Brown also, if you listen to former podcasts um, or previous podcasts, rather, you know that he was also quite involved in the slave trade. Rhode Island still doesn't do quite a good job at telling that history acknowledging that history um and the danger of not teaching it or talking about it at all really is that then you suddenly get a speaker of the house that didn't even know slavery existed in the state that he um represented so oh shit yeah it's okay (laughs) he's not there
1: anymore (laughs) (laughs) is it because of this is because he didn't know that
0: yeah it's it's that one reason he also they asked It came out when they asked him what he thought about Juneteenth. And he said, I I don't know what that
1: Fifty eleven, man. (laughs) And then um,
0: almost in the same conversation, he's like, I didn't even I I don't even know that slavery existed
1: in Rhode Island, but I'm I'm open to changing my mind about it. Yeah. Yankees are a little interesting when it comes to that. Like we think where there's this like benevolent new england area that was like oh we've always been better than slave trade after we cleared these fields we sent them somewhere else or just gave them homes and everything was fine that ain't true speaking of shitting on politicians so let's call it the other 4th of july if you will or the other 4th of july parade the ancient and horribles um it's much more historically relevant than your like dog and pony show up there starring nationalism So like any other thing in America, it started out kind of nice and ended up kind of screwing some people over. So the antiques and honorables became the ancients and horribles. Um, I also feel like this might be a the origin story of the big Nazo puppets. Um, But nonetheless, (laughs) quite possibly. um, Essentially, the real parade was called ancients and honorables. And it was to celebrate the country's oldest military military organization the Ancient and Honorable Artillery Company of Massachusetts, which was chartered in 1638, which is a long-ass time ago. So members of that company, um, colloquially known in the Boston area as the Ancients and Honorables, um, because they were old as shit, uh, would parade around in uniform, That and that usually that dress code would be a little bit lax. One, because it was a long, long time ago. And so most of the time people like still left boots to people in their wills. Um, but you get a chair and a boot. Yeah. If you got a chair and a boot, you made out like a bandit. Um, and so, but members could wear uniforms of any of the regiments to which they were once attached. And so basically you just like dusted off your old band uniform like mine. (laughs) And you're like, oh, this parade's for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in it. Your Boy Scout uniform. (laughs) Yeah, I was a Girl Scout, but okay. (laughs) Um, But as a result, so Stephen T. Binington explained in a 1944... Forty article um, in the journal american speech that the variegated display of the diverse uniforms on unathletic figures looked comic to a visitor who had not been brought up to the reverence of the company's high status basically saying these people are dressed foolishly (laughs) and look like clowns but they actually mad important (laughs) you look amazing sweetie you look you're doing amazing sweetie Basically, they just became an IRL meme. So all the dusty ass pomp and circumstances of the company was ripe for satire. And in the mid 19th century, the ancients and honorables began to receive the burlesque treatment, which is a nice way of people of making fun of them um, with their name playfully transformed into the antiques and horribles. The first antiques and horribles parade that I can find mention of any of the newspapers took time, took place in Lowell, uh, July 4th. 1851. And the Boston Daily Atlas reported afterwards that the mock military company wore outrageously varied uniforms featuring everything that was grotesque and ludicrous. I was going to make a really mean joke, but I decided not to. Um, <laughs> it was going to be funny. Um, but as, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> yeah. As news got around that other towns were also inspired to put on their own processions of these antiques and horribles. So, it makes sense that if Massachusetts is doing it, Rhodey doing it too. So Gloucester, a.k.a. Chipatchet, which is a, just a little baby village in a little baby town, um, is home to Rhode Island's Ancient and Horribles Parade, which was founded in 1926 as a F.U. to Calvin Coolidge, <laughs> who was a pre- U.S. president. Uh, Coolidge was a member of the original Ancient and Honorable Artillery Company in Boston. So, again, not the original one from 1638, but, like, it's an artil- artillery company. And so you're like, oh, I'm part of this, too. So uh-huh. it's like I was in the army. You're like, I can be- It's like, it's it's re- like, like I was Civil in- War reenactors today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're not, like, in the original army. That's just crazy. <laughs> what are you, a ghost? <laughs> not, not today, Calvin Coolidge. No, you're just Pat Conley. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Anyway. So in 1998, so I think that I, I'm, I'm explaining this enough to you that it's a parade. Do you get what I'm saying, Shay? Mm-hmm. That it's a parade that's making fun of other parades because other parades are more serious somehow. And this one is making fun of like, it's basically if like the Follies had a mean baby and that mean baby had to parade itself down a street in front of <laughs> other people. Does that make sense? Uh-huh, absolutely. Okay, Perfect. <laughs> So in 1998, the procession featured several people dressed up as Monica Lewinsky, which I hope they all send her an apology, because as we know, she's the first the first victim of social media harassment. Mm -hmm. Um, She has a great Twitter. Oh, she does. She really does. You guys should. Everyone should follow Monica Lewinsky. And in 2006, the parade which I fully support, um, mocked Dick Cheney's hunting party, a.k.a. that time he shot his friend in the face <laughs> on accident. And so did
0: Christian Bale by any chance No, he wasn't there.
1: It was 2008. <laughs> <laughs> this is not not my sexual reawakening. Um, but anyway, so sometimes the spoofs hit a little close to home. Because I guess in... So this is for Beverly, Massachusetts, okay? Sure. Yeah. So in 2008, there was a very controversial float where I guess there was a number of young women satirized because there was a spike in teen pregnancies. And so all these women pretended to be pregnant and they were making fun of it. But this turned out to be a Lifetime movie. and it was a big deal. And people got really upset. So it's totally fine to make fun of Monica Lewinsky. I want to point that out. But like it's not who it was obviously like. On some level of victim because of like the status of Bill Clinton. And I'm not going to get into this, (laughs) obviously, but like a bunch of teenage kids who end up getting pregnant. That's too close to home. Yeah, that's off (laughs) limits. Yeah. Okay. Ultimately, as I was saying, uh, the parades are just an excuse for the young and old to dress up in colorful costumes and practice usually a practice usually restricted to Halloween. So um, (laughs) it makes sense, right?
0: I just love that this parade is basically created by people who think that parades are fucking stupid and they're like let's do a parade because we think they're so dumb and like Now they're caught doing their
1: own parade. Yeah. It's like libertarians throwing a parade like this, (laughs) like those, the tea party. So if the tea party were to throw a parade, the two parties and the libertarians threw a parade and then they were like, oh, we're going to need a permit for this. (laughs) It's like if Ron Swanson was going to host a parade. (laughs) It's this.
0: (laughs) Did When you were doing your research for the
1: ancient horribles, did you come across any
0: information on Betty the Elephant?
1: I did, but I'd like to reserve all Betty the Elephant information for a later podcast specifically about carnival animals that got loose in Rhode Island. So, like I was saying, the Ancients and Horribles Parade in Chapachet. So there was no parade between 42 and 45, probably because of World War II. Probably the war. Nor in 2020 because of the COVIDs. Oh, yeah, that too. But, um... I'm I I may have skipped the past four years of going to the ancients and horribles parades because of the previous administration, and I was a little afraid of them. Um, the president, I'm not, I don't want to travel to north Northern Rhode Island with GMR as our as our as our uh, governor during the whole power plant issue in a Trump administration. I'm all set. Like <laughs> that's just asking for it. Yeah, if you you can guess what you're gonna see. Yeah, I can definitely. So yeah, absolutely. So. That's that's my ancients and horribles parade. So I won't go this year. I probably will go the next year. But my birthday is July 3rd. So I typically take July 4th off.
0: So everybody wish oh, that's her subtle way of saying wish her happy birthday on July
1: 3rd. Also, Shay can give you my mailing address if you want to send flowers.
0: We'll drop that at the end of the show. Actually, since we're talking about um, parades and parading around, there was some news this week about a very popular group formerly known as What Cheer Brigade.
1: Oh yeah, you can't mention parades in Rhode Island without mentioning the What Cheer Brigade. Fortunately, unfortunately, they changed their name from the What Cheer Brigade to Hot Wall, Hot Wall, Hot Wall, which I don't think you're supposed to say it like that. I think it's just Hot Wall, um, like to hot to the touch, perhaps, or like sexy, like a sexy wall, both sleek, <laughs> velvet, velvet. <laughs> I don't My face on it. <laughs> yeah. Elise's face on it. It's one of those blankets with the lions on it that you buy at the truck stop. Um, I love those. Those are very soft. Do you have the reasoning for why they changed their name? Cause I don't have it really. I'm actually pulling it up on, um, Twitter right now.
0: They on now formerly known as what she brigade presently known as hot wall, at hot wall PVD on June 27th, 2021. At 4.46 p.m. Eastern Time. In case anybody's confused. They announced on Twitter that they're changing their name to Hot Wall. And they say that they started as the What Cheer Brigade because the city's motto, What Cheer, um, is so recognizable. Um, they wanted to represent their love for Providence and its unique music scene. So they chose What Cheer, which that's not the entire complete motto. It's What Cheer, comma knee Top. And, you know, recently there's not been a whole lot to be cheery about. So like what cheer, no cheer, no cheer, no cheer. So they say we changed our name because we acknowledge the what cheer motto represents an untrue and white supremacist version of history that we do not support. The what cheer story presents the act of colonization in Rhode Island as a friendly encounter between Roger Williams and the Narragansett people. The story is often used to promote the myth that Rhode Island was somehow an exception to the brutality of colonialism in the Americas. That's very Rhode Island to be like, everybody else did it. Yeah. We didn't do it. Yeah. We're
1: good. Just this like little place. In like here, how we blame assholes for their driving. Mm-hmm. No. Nah. Yeah. We, it's like, are we that we different? We ride holes yeah. too.
0: <laughs> oh, we big assholes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the hot wall, formerly known as what She Brigades statement, condensed um, on their Twitter. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for updating us. Awesome. Right? awesome. That was great. Well, we had fun with everybody listening to us, we assume, on our podcast about parades in Rhode Island today. Please do not forget to follow us on all of our social medias, all at, 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 at anchor the show. No, it's really just the at symbol in the anchor of the show. Uh, also, this podcast, wherever you're listening, there's probably a subscribe button. We would adore, in the voice of Clarice Kensington from It's Takes Two, if you would press that subscribe button.
1: With that said, Elise, what do we say? Stay salty, my friends. Stay Falthy.